0: This is Histories of the Unexpected. He's the famous historical adventurer, Dr Sam Willis. And he is Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. He's Professor James Daybell. And we are your hosts for Histories of the Unexpected. Each week we discuss a surprising object oozing with unexpected historical significance. And this week it's The Party. Which is all about the history of sociability and celebration. It's about rites of passage and the coming of age. For me, it's about not wanting to be at parties. It's about social anxiety and the history of madness. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe to the podcasts and tell all your friends. We're on Twitter. You can follow me at Dr Sam Willis. And you can follow me at James Daybell. We're proud to be part of the excellent History Hit Network, home of Dan Snow's History Hit and other great shows coming soon. And you can find out more about what we've got planned in the forthcoming months, show notes, video clips, photos of everything we discuss, and much, much more at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 10 of Histories of the Unexpected, where we will be audio-googling through history, exploring the history of things that you didn't even know had a significant story to tell, like the history of the cake, the mattress, or balloons. And even
1: the pen. And we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how everything, simply everything, has a history, and crucially, how those histories link in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, Sam, that the history of the smile was in fact all about the French Revolution Mm. or that the history of the zebra was all about
0: colonisation. <laughs> I've been wanting to do the History of the Zebra since we began this. I know you have. <laughs> and I, it's coming up, it's coming up, so uh, so make sure you listen to that one. Um, the man sitting opposite me is the Tim Peak of Time, it's <laughs> Professor James Davell. And the man sitting opposite me is the Cultivator of Chronicles, <laughs> it is Dr Sam Willis. <laughs> right, um, so each week we will be piloting you on this uncharted and frankly highly dangerous flight into the past, we've got no idea where we're going. We've got a rough idea where we're starting, but who knows what will happen. Uh, Each week, one of us is going to take the lead, and this week, it's my turn. So, Sam, what have you got for us this week? This week, it's the party. The party? It's the party. We're 10. It's our 10th anniversary, Okay. so I thought we would celebrate celebrations. Celebrate celebrations. So, my question for you is... A uh, couple of questions. One off the top of your head, what do you think the party, the history of the party involves? Parties,
1: celebrations, it's all about the rites of passage. It's all about those occasions that we celebrate throughout life that are connected to the life cycle, the birthday,
0: um, weddings, funerals, even, the wake. Um, and it's an intrinsically human thing, isn't it? I mean, that's. I think that's probably been part of. Human history forever. It's it's part of it's it's a human thing. It's connected to the seasons as well. You yeah. think about Christmas. You think about the
1: solstice. You think about all the sort of celebrations there. It's also connected to things like um, politics and diplomacy. Yes. You know, so the, so the politics of of socialisation. The Queen's garden party. We're in the summer at the uh, moment. A series of garden parties have just been had for the Queen's ninetieth birthday. That is all about connecting the monarchy and the crown with people out. In, in in the provinces around
0: around the country. That garden party has then been copied throughout throughout the country. I've been invited yep. to several of these kind of street parties. Yeah. Um, I wonder what the history of that is. I mean, a part of this podcast is coming across <laughs> things we don't know the answer to, and I think parties is going to be a really good one. When did that start, um, and well, why? I mean, it, it's always, to me, I, sus- I suspect there was a certain onus on it from the monarchy that you were expected to I think to demonstrate we, loyalty. To
1: demonstrate loyalty, I think if we look at the, I am absolutely freewheeling here. <laughs> um, if we if we look at the development of the garden parties as they are today, um, I have no idea where that where that develops. A quick googling would, would 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 throw up all sorts of stuff. But if we have a think about about parties and celebrations and monarchy, that in fact has really um, has a really old history. You could trace that back to. Uh, Anglo-Saxon England, for mm. example, where you, and, even, and even before, where you're looking at the, the way in which the, the the rulers at the time would have gone on some kind of progress in order to extract tribute, yeah. um, and you can follow that throughout the medieval period into, you know, Elizabeth I, very, very, you know, very, very um, mobile, peripatetic monarch who went out on very elaborate progresses, which
0: effectively were a series of. Parties, but at the same time you've got so you've got these kind of formal parties that we're talking about, but yeah. we've also got a kind of much more personal celebration of achievements, whether you've survived another year yeah. or, or yeah. getting older, and um, that that one I think really interests me because I was um, just thinking about this, and uh, it was uh, one of my, was my son's birthday recently. So we got the cake out, we 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 covered it in candles, we set fire to the candles and we sang happy birthday. What is that about? I mean, I, I do not know. <laughs> I, I had a quick look online to see if, if someone could offer me a decent explanation to the origins of the history of the birthday party celebrations, and I found nothing that was convincing. Do, do you have any ideas? Did you have anything that was unconvincing? There, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that was unconvincing. Um... um there, 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 there seem to be a lot of attempts to link it to kind of 18th century um, German and Swiss monarchs who apparently um, had a kind of a personal interest in having cakes. But um, I think it obviously goes back further than that. Um, you've got a the cake being something sweet and delicious to eat. The cake, and we should do one on the history of cakes. Actually. Yeah, but the the links it's earlier than Delia Smith. Yeah, <laughs> the you know the links with wealth and um, you know all of those those kind of things. Um, so. It made me wonder who who was celebrating parties and why. The music's interesting um, because Happy Birthday to You is is one of the most recognisable songs Mm. in the Mm. English language. Mm. And um, for many years, it was under copyright, so you weren't allowed to sing it. At your own party? No, I think you'd have to pay Warner Brothers or something. Um, But now it is in the public domain, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're all allowed to sing Happy Birthday if you want to. Um, So anyway... This is, this is my approach to parties, um, and it was all sparked by this photograph, which I absolutely love. So what we have here is it
1: looks like a photograph on a beach or a lakeshore. There are one, two, three, four uh, female uh, figures sitting on a log with a man in a boater hat. He's in a, a suit and a tie. They're sitting on a, on a log. And they are... So you've got a group of them here. A group of them.
0: Three, very cosy, with the man in the hat. And then you've got one lady by herself.
1: And they seem to be reading something. Is it a telegram from
0: the Queen? I I don't know what the detail of it is. What I loved is um, the division of people. Hmm. Right. Right. And uh, it made me think how, you know, what what, what, what what do you need for a party? You need, you need a group of people, um, you need a bit of music, you need a bit of food, and everyone is supposed to have fun at parties. Yeah. Now, there's a brilliant history of people not having fun at parties. <laughs> and it is perfectly summed up by this photograph. A wallflower. A wallflower. So here we are. Here is, um, here is someone who is seriously not engaging with the rest of the people. They're, they're obviously out for a walk, out for a picnic, and she's looking pretty miserable. She's got a kind of a smirk on her face. But generally speaking, there is someone who is struggling to fit in. Mm. And I love this idea of, of what was going on. There are all sorts of wonderful paintings in art, particularly Victorian art, of women. Usually it's women who, mm. who are struggling to fit in or not wanting to fit in. And um, it's also replicated in lots of Victorian photographs. Now, what interests me about it is that, you know, it's a, it's a known thing. It's called social anxiety now. People, some people don't like doing it. And Social anxiety is a symptom of depression. Mm. So I'm, I started looking into, into the mental illness <laughs> associated with parties. The anti, anti-attitude the, the, to parties. The, the anti-attitude to parties. And one of the things that came up was this. You obviously know that painting. The screen. This is Edward, Edward Lynch. The screen. So we have this extraordinary haunting image here at the front with the, the man clasping his skull with no hair, um, the sun setting in the background. Um, what I've always often overlooked, and that all makes sense to me, are these guys so at the back of the screen are two figures now this makes much more sense when you when you kind of you read into what munch was doing and he was actually he had um real trouble with with anxiety and depression and he was out for a nice walk with his friends when he was overtaken by this kind of overpowering feeling of horror. And he writes, I was walking along the road with two friends. So these are the two guys in the picture. They're his friends. They're his absolute mates. He's supposed to be with them. He's supposed to be enjoying a lovely Sunday afternoon walk. The sun was setting, which links to the red in the painting, and suddenly the sky turned blood red. I paused, feeling exhausted, and leaned on the fence. There was blood and tongues of fire above the blue-black fjord and the city. My friends walked on. And I stood there trembling with anxiety, and I sensed an infinite scream passing through nature. So, what's brilliant about this is that this is one of the, the most kind of um, well-known images in contemporary art, in all mm-hmm. art. And, and a lot of people say it's, it's kind of linked with the anxiety of modern man, but it's a very personal anxiety, a personal problem for Munch, and. And it's linked to him being with his friends and suddenly feeling extremely lonely and then depicting himself as this this lone wandering cadaver, essentially. Now, the final interesting link is this, which I love. So, describe that. You've got another photograph here,
1: uh, which is from the Bethlehem Royal Hospital Archives, and it is a woman... Uh, with a lace collar, what looks like a black dress, although it's black and black and white, her hair tied back, and she seems to be hugging herself with her with her 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 hand under her chin.
0: Yeah, so that is um a lady known Sarah Gardner known as Sarah Gardner. She was twenty-six and these are from some extraordinary Victorian photographs of Bethlehem Hospital in London, which was mm, mm. um a, a, an institution for for the for the insane as they were labelled then, and she was condemned to be in the hospital uh, because of insanity caused by anxiety. Hmm. And that had manifested itself in uh, wanting to remove herself from groups, not wanting to be part of it. Everyone thought she was odd. She was. She needed to be locked up, basically. And so there she was. And the the whole history of our understanding of anxiety and its manifestations. One of the most clear manifestations of someone not fitting into society and something being wrong with them was their inability to fit into parties. Now, these photographs are brilliant because they believed at the time that your face could be used to read your mind. It's why they were taking photographs of people who were, who were, who were suffering from mental illness because they, they thought that you could actually pinpoint the exact... Sort of the depths that you'd reached in your misery and in your anxiety, and they're some of the most haunting photographs mm. you can see. So there you are, I have blown there's a, very, there's a very sort of thin,
1: very thin, faint smile there. There is as well. No.
0: Yeah, yeah. We um, should do the history of the smile. We should do the history day. of the smile. Um, well, anyway, there you are. I've I've blown the bubble of uh, goodness me. I've burst the balloon of the party. Well, when
1: I'm thinking about <laughs> parties, um, I'm thinking. I want to think about. Parties going wrong as well. Okay, and You're doing the same thing as well. Right. Well, I mean, not not in a sort of um. Not, what 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 we've been looking at is the individual not wanting to go to the party. We've been looking at anxiety, depression, all the way from from your your son's birthday cake and the candles. I want to take it in another way, um, which is party organisations going wrong. So party disasters. Okay, and I have I have an example <laughs> from the we
0: love celebrating misery. <laughs>
1: This is the, it, it is the theme of this is the anti-party. So I have this wonderful example um, that I came across years ago uh, when I was working on The Johnsonian Mask, would you believe? And What, what does that mean? The Johnsonian Mask, Ben Johnson, uh, famous um, playwright. Um, he war, lived around, sort of contemporary of Shakespeare, and he and Inigo Jones, the famous architect, yeah. put on these lavish entertainments at court. But anyways an antidote to these sort of wonderful spectacles that were put on uh, for ambassadors uh, we have an account of a failed attempt by the courtier <laughs> yeah. sir john harrington describes sir robert cecil sir robert cecil is one of the leading government officials in, in king james's reign and james as we all know married um, anna of denmark and his brother-in-law uh, the king of denmark christian the 4th comes across to visit in sixteen O six, and you know when all good monarchs come across, you want to entertain them, you want to throw a party. Um, so Cecil puts on this this elaborate uh, entertainment for them, which goes horrifically wrong. I mean, basically, um, all the the female courtiers are absolutely drunk as anything and and, and topple over, fall over, um, vomit, um, and, I, and, and this is all captured in wonderful. Style in a letter from Sir John Harrington, and if you will uh, indulge me, I'd just like to read you uh, a tiny uh, portion of this. I came here, says Sir John, a day or two before the Danish king came, and from the day he did come until this hour, I have been well nigh overwhelmed with carousals and sports of all kind. You know, this is this sort of bacchanalian uh, sort of party style. The feasts began each day in such manner and such sort as well-nigh persuaded me of Mohammed's paradise. We had women, and indeed wine too, in such plenty, as would have astonished each sober beholder. Our feasts were magnificent, and the two royal guests did most lovingly embrace each other at the table. And then he goes on... um, he goes on. Um, I think the Danes, in other words, the Danish king, hath strangely wrought on our good English nobles. For those whom I never could get to taste good liquor, now follow the fashion and wallow in beastly delights. <laughs> beastly, in delights beastly delights. Beastly And then, then he goes on describing this elaborate uh, representation of Solomon's Temple, uh, describing how the ladies abandon their sobriety and seem to roll about in intoxication. The coming of the Queen of Sheba was made uh, and was meant to have been made before their majesties by the device of the Earl of Salisbury and others, but alas, as all earthly things do fail to pour mortals in enjoyment, so did prove our presentment thereof. The lady who did play the Queen's part did carry most precious gifts to both their majesties, but forgetting the steps arising to the canopy, overset her caskets into his Danish majesty's lap and fell at his feet, <laughs> though I think rather it was in his face much was the hurry and confusion, cloths and napkins were at hand to make all clean. And it goes on, you know, the, these various sort of women dressed up in different, different sort of classical parts. you know, coming on to play their role, toppling over, yeah. you know, vomiting all, all over <laughs> him, which of course leads us to the, the fascinating history of vomit. Right. Uh, and, and, and at a party mm. over overindulgence. Yes. Um, the, and I, I want to burst the myth about the, the Roman... Uh, oh, so vo- it, vo- eating to vomit, excess and so then going outside... Of vomitorium, the you know, yeah. which I, I read, I was, I was, my, my daughter... What, um, what, yeah, what is that? The vomitorium. Yes. What's um, What's to do with the overeating? the vomit, vomit, vomitorium, <laughs> apocryphally, uh, was a room that was set aside... Uh, for Romans to go and throw up in, or to purge yeah. uh, after overindulgence, so just allow to let, so allow them to carry on, to allow them to carry on. So they'd eaten too much food, too much wine. They would go off. They would, they would, they would purge themselves of it, and then they would come back. Um, it, it, this is actually a myth. Uh, I don't think this this ever happened. Mm. It sort of emerged as a myth in the nineteenth century, although it still is perpetuated in the Osborne history of the Romans. Really? Uh, I learned this the other day as
0: I was reading through th- this this book with my with my five year old daughter. Um, <laughs> I never believed it. I mean, I remember coming across it sort of thinking, well. If you overeat and then go outside and throw up, it's not an immediate solution. <laughs> oh, we should try it. I had friends, should... I, I, I friends at university who did that all the time. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it would make a great podcast. You, 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 ladies and gentlemen, you could hear us vomiting, and then we could discuss how hungry we are, or, or, or we could do the, the the history of vomit. Yep.
1: fantastic. Alongside the history of the fart, should be the history of vomit, and and
0: and. The Purge. Yeah, the Purge. So, um where are we going to take this now? Where we going to take this now? Um, I want to go. To, I want to get a wheelbarrow's <laughs> actually because that that um, reminded me of a brilliant um, late seventeenth century party in London. So Peter the Great, <laughs> okay, Tsar of Russia, he comes over mm. primarily to just to spy on the English and see what they're doing, and to try and get some sense of uh, of, of empire. He's particularly interested. In how they were developing the navy and, and where, where they were where they were getting their tobacco and stuff from, so he comes over and he stays at John Evelyn's house, uh, okay, a diarist in South London, and John Evelyn was was a manic k- gardener, okay, he, he he was desperately passionate about his garden about his house, and the Tsar, Peter the Great, Tsar Russia, brings all his mates with him, all his entourage, you would call it now, and they have. The most staggering party for, you know, weeks and weeks at a time. They're doing chemical experiments, experiments of chemistry um, inside. They set fire to the curtains. Um, but what's brilliant about it is that the damage was so severe that they got Christopher Wrenin to survey it <laughs> afterwards. So, you know, this is Christopher Wren, you know, the guy who designed uh, St Paul's and Greenwich. He, he goes in and he, he as, a, as a professional surveyor, surveys the damage caused by the Tsar of Russia. And one of the things that really upset John Evelyn because of his interest in... Uh, in gardening he planted all of these beautiful plum trees and cherry trees <laughs> they were putting each other in his wheelbarrow and then wheeling each other through his holly hedge so the garden was all based around this ancient beautiful 400 like year old holly hedge which must have been there since I mean this is 1650 it was a massively ancient thing centuries old and it was good and spiky and good and thick so so they would put each other in the wheelbarrow and um, and they left holes in his holly hedge and it's all documented it's all there so they are
1: wheelbarrows. It sounds like something to do with the Rolling Stones or Oasis going it does. and trashing yeah. trashing hotels. Didn't didn't um didn't Peter the Great form a sort of drinking drinking society, a drinking club?
0: Yeah, well he said so alcohol consumption was a massively important part of his court. Yeah. And if yeah. You, you had to I mean there people there are lots and lots of examples of people. Um, drinking until they are unconscious, yeah. and that was that was expected of you. You had yep. to come and play the game i mean and and then they also they he invented fireworks he spent lots of time kind of inventing fireworks and explosions <laughs> so you've got you 've got the loads of hammered Russians um setting fire to stuff basically that 's what mm. they seem to have done but I mean, also there were he had these weird um, um kind of parades for his birthday party um so dwarves people wearing mouse skin gloves, people riding dogs. Really extraordinary. Um, and because he, he was fascinated with, with the bizarre. Mm. Um, it was almost like a kind of a human menagerie. So it's about excess. Yes. It's, it's, about, it's about
1: sort of bacchanalian excess. And it's and a- access to, to, to unique yeah. bizarre yeah. things to yeah. prove that he, that he could kind of get this sort of stuff. Yeah, so it's spectacle. I mean, this, this connection between hard drinking and politics, I think, is a fascinating one. And it's a very male... You know, it's a very male world. I mean, I'm thinking in, in Russia as well. You think about Stalin. And Stalin was a very, very hard drinker. Mm. You know, and there are tales about Stalin and his sort of inner, inner sort of group of, of, of politicians, you know, who were, were basically forced into these rituals of drinking with him and you had to keep up. I mean, incredibly, you know, terrible on your, on your health, on your, li- on your liver. <laughs> yeah. You know, more than anything, but it, but it, but I, I think that, that those kind of rituals of drinking, um, you know, you can see throughout history, um, you know, very sort of you know connected to military, connected to connected back to celebration. Yeah. When we think about parties and celebration, alcohol consumption over is almost
0: always at the at, at the heart of it. And that leads us to the important question of the history of wasailing. Yes. So uh sailing is is <laughs> it happens yeah, that's very good, deep barrowzone <laughs> <laughs> um, when so it's, it, oh, it's, uh, it's in the middle of winter, isn't it? It's a cider thing, and you have to go and shout and drink cider, and you have to wake up the cider trees um, uh, which it, it's a bizarre ritual. And it's really good fun. you should go and do it there's a, there's a really good one at Sanford Orchard just down the road here. Um, and you have a kind of a cider king and queen, and um, there's lots of banging. You have to scare away the winter spirits, which actually links us back beautifully to the birthday cake and to b- the bumps. Do you ever, you ever I a do I do remember the bump. I haven't done the bumps for years. No, what's that about? So, the theory. Tell me. The tell theory me. is that it's about. Um, um, You've done your research for Shaking this one. out, shaking out evil spirits. Um, apparently, um, being pinched and smacked is also a part of a birthday ritual. Um, but um, I remember giving the bumps when I was younger, I was, I'm I was surprised I survived it, basically. Um, but Very that, rough. yeah, all to do with, um, with wassailing and shouting at cider trees. <laughs> <laughs> so we've
1: gone from the birthday, the candles, the cake, through vomit madness depression yeah. all the way through to kicking out evil spirits yeah in a a playground ritual yeah that's cool. This is, this is this is not where I thought we were going, no. the
0: party. It makes me feel a bit disoriented, actually, yes. and, and uncertain. If I ever go to another party, I'll never gonna know what's going to happen to me. I think we should go and lie down and, <laughs> and, and, and recuperate from this one. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening um, to our podcast. As always, don't forget, you're the most important party, the most important member of this podcast. Do get in touch with us with any stories linked to parties and, of course, with any suggestions for future podcasts. But thank you very much for listening. That's all for now. Bye-bye. Goodbye.